From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Oh, it's so good to be with you. I'm Scott Armstrong and I need to introduce a few other servants that are here. To my right, Emily Armstrong. Hey everyone. From Barbados, Reverend Dario Richards. Hey. And Natalie Franco is not with us today. I need to tell you, by the time you're going to hear this episode, it will be a, a little while after, but she is graduating today. <laughs> so this is pretty cool. I'm excited for her. We're excited. And it's been a long slog for her. So uh, <laughs> congratulate her and, and we'll let you know how you can do that maybe at the end of this. Uh, Congratulations, Natalie. At this episode. So we are a podcast that really deals with missions and culture and healthy church And we did all of those things two weeks ago when we talked about sports and gaming ministry. And uh, Dario Richards is the expert. Just to remind you, he's he's involved in a movement, a global sports movement, and uh, really kind of talked to us two weeks ago about... The importance of sporting uh, ministry and um, in, in a lot of how the church can get involved in that way. But uh, we're going to dedicate another episode to this. We're, and this one, I really hope, is is heavy on, on stories. How can we use sports and gaming to evangelize? How can we use it to disciple? Dario, you've had a few weeks to kind of mull this over and think about this. And are there any specific stories that really come to mind where you would say, ah, this is happening? Maybe Maybe within our own denomination, the Church of the Nazarene, uh, or in plenty of other uh, denominations or organizations as well. Yeah, um, um, there are many, many stories um, that I think we can definitely share. Um, I would love to start with one right here in our region from back in uh, 2017, where we launched um, the Play on Witness Initiative. Um, the, the name... <laughs> The the name really it is not that creative. We already have work and witness, and since we were going to do sports ministry, we just said, you know what, we're going to play a witness, <laughs> and and we went off to Jamaica. Um, there were about twenty one participants on that trip back in twenty seventeen, and what we did is that we spent the first three to four days of the trip doing a sports ministry training, and uh, what we call a ready set go training. And then that was like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then we started the following week. We partnered with a local church in Jamaica uh, with the intention of helping them to plant a church in a new community. And it was phenomenal. I, I always remember the very first day we arrived in the community and nobody was around. Like, um, no children. We had planned to do sports, but we had also planned to do like VBS and different things. And there was nobody um, by the field where, you know, where we were going to do this work. Like we expected to get there and already find the children waiting, you know. Um, so we got out of the bus and nobody was there. And we just had this brilliant idea. We would go on the on the field and just start shooting, you know. We put, we put somebody to, to be the goalkeeper and we started shooting the ball at the at the bar. And children just start to come from every single angle of the field. Children, we didn't know where the children were coming from. Mm-hmm. And the children would come. And then by the time the children come, you would, you would see the preteens start coming around. But they're walking, a, you know, a lot slower. They're observing. Then the teenagers and the young adults started coming. 
And then as the day went on, um, the parents and the adults started coming out. And all of a sudden, we had this field full of activity for an entire week that started uh, just by us going on the playing field and starting to basically kick around the ball. And we were able to have a phenomenal time um, in Jamaica. But for me, the, the real impact of that time wasn't just what happened in Jamaica, but what happened after we went home. So we went home and on that trip with, with us was um, uh, Reverend Weeks, Christopher Weeks, who was who is now the, the district superintendent um, of one of our districts. And he went home. And if you know if you know Reverend Weeks, he was the former evangelism or he's the current evangelism coordinator as well. Uh, Reverend Weeks will let you know immediately that he is not a sports person. He used to play when he was younger. But as a direct result of seeing what was happening by using sport and specifically football in that community, Reverend Weeks went back to Antigua and went to the official FIFA office in Antigua and got a FIFA license <laughs> to become a football coach. Really? And he went back to his church and he started a football team with his um his level I think his, they start at like level D, like a D license in FIFA. And he started doing like a football academy in his local church with his level D FIFA license way prior to what we did in Jamaica. Like sports was the farthest thing from his radar. <laughs> and and up to now, like up to up to this is um a few years later, up to today, uh Reverend Weeks and his local church in Antigua has been one of the uh, most consistent spaces I have seen with him having a local team as a result of him using that license that he got to train and to coach football, but also coach life. We have a strategy called whole life coaching. And along with that, engaging in different community opportunities, whether it be creating football tournaments or doing football outreaches. And also one of the things that he did, Reverend Weeks and his local church in Antigua is one of the only uh, one of the few churches that I know that I know of who started using esports as a strategy as well. So he would invite the the boys in the community to come over and to play FIFA, uh, football on the PlayStation as a gospel outreach strategy and, and take the time to share the gospel with them. Uh, so I think one of the the the, the others, but I, I, I would I would mention this one first and probably um, some more later is. It's just the fruit of that experience in Jamaica, how we have seen it uh, flourish in Antigua and in what we started with his local church. Yeah. Well, I love, I mean, you mentioned that it's, you said it's not very creative to call it play and witness, but but I like this because in the Church of the Nazarene, those who don't know, we have something that's been around for 50 years, I think, Emily, right? 50 years, we just celebrated. Yeah, recently we celebrated 50 years of work and witness. And man, that has been a revival, an amazing movement uh, in our denomination. It started out, literally it was called Men in Missions, but it was basically people that were, that were just passionate about constructing, building, right? And and I remember back then, it was so novel because it, being a missionary or going on a missions trip was seen as planting a church or was seen as evangelizing or was seen as, you know, some of these things. And all of these builders, all of these men that were, you know, said, well, I like to be involved in construction. They didn't think there was a place for themselves in missions. I, I say all that to say, 
with you guys choosing the term play and witness, I imagine that that was the same, same case. There were probably a lot of people, men and women that still, even today are thinking, ah, I don't know if there's a place for me in missions or in a missions trip, but sports uh, and gaming is, is the way is, is a, a key component where a lot of different people could say, oh, Oh, I mean, that's a passion of mine. I love that. And and that can be used also to reach the nations. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think a piece of even what I hear you saying, Scott, it makes my mind travel to a little bit about how these things all over the world are things that like are engaging to different people, right? Like it's a, it might feel like it's a new strategy for us, but really the, the concepts of sport and game and they're very ancient concepts. It's not something that's new. It's maybe just a new way for the church to look at it. And I think, um, it's a very basic, like even example, but I think in my own life, I'm not super inclined. I'm not like a super athlete. I enjoy watching sports. I grew up in the state of Indiana in the United States, and it's a huge basketball state. Like everybody loves basketball. So like I have a basketball team that I follow and I have a, an American football team that I follow. And as we've lived in Latin America, we've picked up a couple um, football teams that we follow, football soccer teams that we follow. And so I feel like I'm more of like, like this outside viewer of sports. I don't participate in it in the way of like, I'm the active participant. And sometimes I have a hard time finding myself in this conversation, right? Like I, I, I try to think, well, what does this mean to me then? <laughs> because I can't go in and teach anybody something. I, I, I'm not going to go in and be a coach. I, that is just, it's outside of my skill set. God's not created me to do that. However, God has created me to be a Sunday school teacher. And I think about um, the 45 minutes that I have with our Sunday school class. I can guarantee you that every single Sunday, whenever like we have kind of this order that we go through when I'm the teacher and they know that they're going to hear a lesson, they know that there's probably going to be some kind of craft. And I usually wait until close to the end to say, after the craft is over, we're going to play a game. And everybody loves playing a game. And it's like the most simple thing that we could do, but relating it to the lesson or something that we've done has become a strategic way for me to make that space where the children feel as though I can have fun in God's presence. And I think that's a piece of what I like about, you know, dreaming about sports ministry, gaming, uh, being more a part of what our church embraces, because I think people feel like God is kind of this standoffish. He's got all these rules and, and this is the way that we engage with him. But then when we have God in a space, that's like, we're having fun together and even healthy competition and, and things like that. I just, I think there's so much space for it. And we see it even in our Genesis ministry of, uh, the big city church plants, there have been two or three different teams that literally have used the strategy of we're going to bring soccer tournaments, football tournaments to a space for evangelism, but we've got an entire church now that a huge part of their strategy and their identity in Panama City and Pan de Vida, their identity is we create a space for young men and young children, boys and girls to come and play sports. Like they meet on a, a city, like a city field. So it's like an urban, it's gated in, you know, it's, it's, it's not as big as a regular field. 
field, but they create that space because that's where they meet for worship, but they also meet there for recreation and play. And so they're a church that's known as we are the both and church. We, we do football and we also do worship in liturgical ways and it fits together. And, and there's a lot of people that are finding Christ through that specific ministry in Panama City. Dario, uh, Emily mentioned something very interesting. We've really focused on sports, uh, uh, kind of organized sports, but really gaming. I, you, we've been in places where literally you and I have been in charge of some workshops and uh, I'm droning on and I think I'm kind of engaging, but, but then as soon as you get up and you just do a five minute or a 10 minute game with everyone, I'm like, oh, comparatively, they were just, they were sleeping while I was up there, you know? And so may, maybe you could share some stories about how really gaming and just involving children, youth, even adults in, 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 in dynamics and in competition and in gaming has helped to even teach and facilitate learning. Yeah. So remember, there are three categories. There's the sport, there's the play, and there's the health and fitness. In the play strategy, um, part of the big consideration is exploring the learning styles of individuals, you know, especially children. How do children love to learn? And one of the things you realize quickly is many adults love to learn the same way children love to learn. Mm. <laughs> and, and in teaching, there's this teaching approach called experiential learning. And the heart of experiential learning is that people learn better or they learn best when there is a physical engaging component attached to the lesson when there is some type of experience that they need to be involved in, some problem they need to actually figure out, you know, some game that needs to be played to illustrate. And then you take them to the the experiential learning cycle of having that experience, reflecting on the experience, um, teaching based on the experience, and then applying um, on the experience. And uh, what that cycle does those four things experience reflect teach and apply they it's one of the only teaching approaches that is able to engage all of the teaching styles that every individual has so we have different learning styles and the experiential learning model is able to fit each of us into it on some level either those of us who learn by doing those of us who learn by reflecting those of us who learn by um, teaching or those of us who learn in the application component, mm. it is able to reach um, every individual. So one of the things that we have um, applied to our teaching process or we try to consistently is the experiential um, learning component. But then accompanying that is like some of those little those little games that we would play is a part of the, the information that comes out on learning, especially when you're doing um, when you're doing long work, that having breaks of activity, breaks of play, actually contributes to um, helping our brains to work even more um, effectively, mm-hmm. and also to enjoy the process. Um, so, so those 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 like we we call them ice breakers, but they're not they don't only exist to break ice; they also exist um, to be able to assist in the process of learning, you know, of, of you know, jolting your brain and getting people to change, um, change out if they've been sitting for a long time, getting them to stand up, getting them to move around. Um, all of those things contribute to helping 
um, the learning process and also the engagement process. Uh, so we have found um, that using sports, using games, has been a huge, uh, a huge tool in, in not just our outreach initiatives, but even our training and development initiatives. I think I'll give one example quickly. Here in Barbados, one of the ways that we have used sports ministry over the years, myself and a good friend of mine, is actually in the prison. And, and we use it in the prison because uh, obviously you go into the prison, there are you know, a lot of offenders for different types of crimes. And there are prison programs, but most of them are lecture style. So we wanted to we wanted to test this, you know, this model. Can we do sports ministry in the prison, right? And you know, there's a lot of back and forth. You know, they told us you can't play, we can't play any type of contact sport. You know, like you can't play anything that involves um, hitting. And we thought it was because you know they thought the the prisoners would fight. But they would say, no, we just can't afford prisoners to have any broken bones. Right. <laughs> so anything that that requires contact, no. Uh, so we, we we proposed that we were going to we were going to use football, but we are only going to run the drills. We would never engage in like a game, like a you know like making it competitive, just the drills. And uh, we outlined a plan of teaching them the drills, having to be creative enough to create a level of competition in the drills that they don't actually need to play and tackle and hit one another. And we we got a portion of like the like twenty of the the youngest and the worst offenders to work with over a twelve week period. So we would go to the prison twice a week. We would do sports on one day, and then the next day we would invite them into a classroom, and we would then bring back up what we would have done on the field, and then teach like principles, teach uh, biblical principles from what was done there, and just the switch in the approach to how we were now engaging the prisoners, it began to, we began to experience such a significant level of success in doing this, that the prison, because because we were just targeting like a small group of 20, you know, offenders at a time in the remand block of the prison, that the, the, the prison workers came to us and they asked us to scale the program so that all the prisoners in the entire prison can go through the program. Yeah. And, and this was happening, this was right before the pandemic. So because after COVID, you know, the prison was closed and we weren't able to get back in as yet, but hopefully that door will be open shortly. And just by using the principles of play, the experiential learning, married with... Um, some of the traditional sports, but you can't play that traditional sport in the traditional way. Um, we began to see a huge impact happening in the prison system. Um, so, so there are definitely tools that can be used. Sunday school teachers can use them. Um, VBS um, teachers can use them. Even the past that Bible study uh, could use them. You know, you want to teach some points, some biblical points, and finding creative means and and activities to be able to communicate the point. I think it's just a reorientation of um, how we approach teaching and communicating and learning a new tool that can enhance our process. I love what you said about the learning styles as well. Could you say those four again from experience to application, I believe? Yeah, so the experiential learning cycle, you experience it, then you reflect on it. So you will play an activity, that's your experience. The reflection, you ask, 
So how was that reflect? How was that activity for you? You know, it was fun. It was challenging. Um, and then you answer a deeper question. Like, is there anything that you can take from that activity to apply to your life? And, you know, they say something. Say, say you were doing the experience was protecting the football. And you ask, how was that? You know, it was good. Why is it important to protect the football? Because if you don't protect the football, then the other team could get the ball and they could, they could score a goal. And so you have to protect the ball. If not, you're going to lose the game. Then you ask a deeper question. This is still the reflection. Okay, um, can you think about anything else that you need to protect in your life? Yeah, I need to protect my money. I need to protect this, you know? So you go in a reflection phase, and after the reflection, then you as the facilitator, the next stage is the teaching stage. You take some time to teach, but now you're teaching based on the reflections that they would have had in their own experience. It may be a Bible lesson that you want to connect. It may be a story that you want to tell to further emphasize the point. And then finally, you apply. So you experience it, you reflect on it, you teach on it, and you apply it. This is so good. Hey, hey, just to, just to prepare you, man, I'm going to ask you to write another article of, uh, using those four. I mean, we're, if you're listening to this, these are, these are tools, man, we're giving you right now. Uh, I'm writing, yeah. I'm writing it down and I'm thinking I could do better. I can, I can be better and more effective even in the way that I teach. Yeah, I think one of the things that is um, coming to my mind as well is listening to that experience in the prison ministry. I know one thing that we've struggled with in urban ministry as we think about it through uh, Mesoamerica Genesis, through the initiative of having more church presence in the biggest cities, is um, there's a side of city life that is like uh, people that are highly professional, um, that are coming to the top of their careers, that um, desire the best for not only their own lives, but also for their children's life, for their young people's lives. And um, as I've been reflecting on it, I've thought about our own family experience that we have our brother-in-law, his name is Andy Weber, and he and his wife live in Olathe, Kansas, which probably a lot of people on this podcast have never heard of that city. However, that city is in the midst of a county in the United States of America that I believe is the wealthiest county or one of the wealthiest counties. Yeah, one of the wealthiest. It was um, years ago, the fifth wealthiest. The fifth wealthiest years ago. So like, there's a lot of money that's coming through this county and they live there. That's where God has planted them. That's where they're growing their family. That's where Andy grew up. And, um, and he, I was thinking about his journey and the reason why I bring him up is because in about 10 to 12 years ago, he really started thinking he's a, he's a football player. He loved it in high school and he, uh, had embraced it. He had started coaching and he was in the school system and he saw like this disconnect between children that were being, um, like you're saying, Dario, children that were being intentionally uh, invested into to become better people through the sport of football, right? And so football, soccer. So as he started to think about that, there were other men around him that were thinking that same thing. And I was looking up, they have a website now, and they created a soccer academy called Toka FC, T-O-C-A-F-C, if you want to look at their website, um, .org. 
And um, you can look at their about page, uh, who we are, how we started. And literally on that page, it says, I'm going to read a piece of it because I found it. It says, Toka FC wasn't built with money or nice facilities or famous coaches or great marketing because we didn't have any of that when we started. We started with very little, just three values, faith, family, and football. And I think as we start to think through what are some ways to reach out to professional level, to people that want their children to be engaged in high level academies and academics and and things like that, that Andy and his team literally put together something that was given birth in 2011. They have no, they had no clue if it was going to work or not. They just knew that we need to have a process in a system where people that love sport like we do feel as though somebody's coming alongside them, feel as though somebody's investing them. And it was built on this faith tenet, like that it's always been very present in this whole entire academy. And long story, very short, literally last year out of their academy, they, uh, they had the Gatorade player of the year come out of their academy, out of hundreds of thousands of players of, of soccer uh, in the United States, came out of their academy. They have people that go on to college scholarships all the time. They see it as a leadership development, but with this instilled value of faith and family being a part of the football experience. And um, I just think it's such an amazing and uh it doesn't have to be an original story. I guess that's what I'm getting at is, you know, like God has placed so many people all over the world with those types of talents and gifting. And uh, at that point in time, it was a, a labor of love for Andy. And I know that he makes some money off of it now and it has grown into this amazing thing that he never could have imagined 10 years ago. I know that it's so much bigger than what he ever probably imagined. But man, I just, I pray that somebody is listening to this podcast right now. I pray that there are some young men and some, some even some older men that are like, I still have that love and, and I have something to invest in future generations. And, and I know women are a part of this conversation too, but I see such a, like a, a, a space in our church where men are lacking, where leadership of our men is lacking. We have young men that just need that guidance and direction. And I really feel like sport is one of those ways for men, strong Christian men to mentor young men that need that in their lives and that can show how Jesus can transform your life and the love of sport is something that we can be used in the in the midst of it. I've seen the success story happen in Andy's life. And um I just pray that it's a story that's duplicated over and over and over again. Yeah, we've dedicated uh two episodes to this and Dario, I'd I'd just love to kind of hear from you. Maybe there are people that are listening and, and some, some are like, I, I already on just seeing the title of the episode I was in, you know, sports. I love it. You know? And there are others that are maybe like, I'm, that's not my passion. I'm not really good at that or whatever, but whoever is listening, would there be one last thing that you would like to just say one challenge that you'd like to give? Emily has, has issued a challenge too. And he's even prayerfully thinking about a lot of this. Uh, what would you say to people that are kind of listening and have heard the last, the last two episodes and say, okay, so where do I go from here? Yeah, man. Um, I just want to say first, like, just thanks for sharing um, that, Emily. Like, I think it's just a, a perfect example again of um, not just the power of sport, but academies. Mm. And because what academies does, it, push it, beyond, it pushes it beyond an event to a journey. Right. Now you're, you're using sport, but now you're journeying 
with a group of individuals day in, day out, through life, through seasons, and, and you see, you just see the incredible fruit that could happen there. Mm. For anybody who's listening, I think the best piece of advice that I can give here is I come across so many people who who have a burden for particular people groups, you know? I know people who feel a sense of burden for young men in their communities. I have friends, you know, with what is happening in Haiti, and having a burden for how do we comp- continue to, to see children experience and enjoy, mm. given some of the challenges that are happening there. Um, I know people who are passionate about refugees as well, you know, persons of different language, persons um, who they have a burden for, but they cannot effectively uh, communicate with. And they're looking for ways, they're looking for means to be able to reach these people groups that God has placed on their hearts. Um, I think that sports is just such an easy and incredible pathway. Like you, for in many cases, it could just be the key that you use to open the door now you could you could do sports from as simple as a football match. You know you could you could get a few churches together, get a few players, and coordinate a football match with your church versus the community. This, that's that's like at the at the most basic simple level. You know you get you know five good football players in your um, denomination in your city, challenge five uh, five players from the community get them to advertise it and invite others to come and immediately you have a gospel opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that could just be the starting place for you to grow and to develop other strategies to effectively reach these people that are on your heart. You know, is I know what it is to have a burden, but don't feel as though you have the resources or the capacity mm-hmm. to reach the persons that you feel the sense of burden for. And I think that sports, play and health and fitness, you can find a way to reach any people group, any age group, any capability group um, through one of those strategies. So if you want to know more, um, again, you can reach out um, to us, reach out to me, and I'm sure that I can find some strategies somewhere in the world that you could use um, just to get started. And as you get started, um, just like the story we heard from Emily God will continue to give you enough light for the next steps and the next steps and the next steps. So eventually, uh, you can see something that you would you didn't even imagine at the beginning. But right. yeah, just to get started. Thank you. Thank you, Dario. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, (laughs) here we are talking about officially, you know, and starting academies and different things. And and um honestly, I can say just from my perspective. I haven't, it isn't like an official thing. It isn't something that I have necessarily uh, organized, but sports has been the, I, I could probably say, the main bridge that has allowed me to build relationships with people from the community, with people that don't know the Lord. And um, as we've been pastors and as we've planted churches and as we've been missionaries, uh, that is usually the entryway uh, here in DR. It's a lot of times uh, baseball, uh, but in many other places, it's been football, soccer. And it just, it, it doesn't have to be... Uh, totally formal. It can be informal, uh, but sports can be a way that we reach the nations. So Emily, if someone has listened to this episode, maybe uh, wants to catch the other episodes, the previous one, especially, where can they do that? And how can they get a hold of us? You can find us on our Facebook page, the Worthless Servants podcast. You can also find us online at www.mesoamericagenesis.org. 
This is awesome. Dario, you have been a part of this cast for a while, but thank you for kind of being the expert on, on this and, and really uh, teaching us and showing us, and in this episode, sharing stories about what God can do through sports and play and health and fitness. Mm-hmm. Thank you as well, man. I, I definitely enjoyed it. And I, I believe, especially in this part of the world where we are uh, located, that sports could be a major opportunity for us to advance the gospel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, if someone's listening and you'd like to be a part of a future play and witness team or, or any of this ministry, let us know. Emily has told you that, and you're about to hear the out, uh, the outtake as well, uh, that continues to give you places to, to get in contact with us. So without further ado, we are the Worthless Servants and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Emily Armstrong. And I'm Dario Richards. And we will talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoAmericaGenesis.org.